0: Abigail, thank you so much for joining me today. You're somebody who has written one of the top 10 best books on ADHD uh, in recently. And it's one of the cool things that I love about talking to people like yourself is the deep understanding that you have of how our minds kind of work and you specialize in working with you know, children and teens. And so that was another, of course, selfishly, I'm like, all right. Do you have some stuff that adults can use too, and can I take away? But I'm sure there are some things that I know I've been wondering about this. Like, and I'm sure a lot of people do. Like, what oh, do I have ADHD? It's something that throw, we throw around easily out there sometimes my girlfriend has been exploring this a lot recently where she's been looking into resources and people to talk to about it and it's very interesting the type of resources that are out there some are great and some are just really terrible and not helpful and so um thank you for sharing your time with us today and um i'm excited to have you on and and chat about this stuff
1: oh my gosh it's absolutely my pleasure thank you so much for inviting me
0: of course yeah um for people who don't know um take us back to like your book i'm sure there's, there's a whole journey before the book even happened right before you're like all right i need to write a book about this um what got you so into this field and not just into studying adhd but like into working with also kids is it uh you know uh is it something you dealt with as a child or did you you know do your kids deal with it um what kind of brought on was the inception for for writing this book
1: so the book is really uh, an it's not an afterthought it was it was a lot of hard work anyone who ever says that oh the book wrote itself it's not true that doesn't right. happen it was a big effort but it was the culmination of 20 plus years of working with ADHD. And there is a story there, obviously. It starts with uh, me as a young girl being not a very good student at all. I was much much more that, that troublemaker hiding under the teacher's desk. And like whenever there was something that, Needed to be done that was not allowed to be done, so I was called upon to do it because I was just that kid. And mm-hmm. but I was not I was not flourishing in school. I was I was really failing a lot. And uh, and when I look back at it, I I would have been one of those kids that uh, would have been put on Ritalin for sure. But I'm too mm-hmm. old. So therefore, I missed the wave. My youngest brother was was put on Ritalin pretty young, but there's a couple of years between us. And when I look back at it, because once I I got to high school and uh, was actually chosen as valedictorian in graduate school, so it took that long to get my act together. But um, my understanding many, many years later was that I was going through some serious uh, stress and trauma, and therefore I was my brain was absolutely not capable of sitting and learning. And this was something that took me years to understand. And it's probably through my children that I finally understand it. So I'm I married, probably the most energetic person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, it, when he's sick, he sleeps for four hours. This is right. uh, my husband. And uh, he gets more done in a day than anyone I know. And we have six amazing kids. That's right. I have six children. I said that. And uh, most of them were diagnosed with ADHD. So when I revisited the journey as a mother, I really got a much deeper understanding of what exactly ADHD is. My training is in special education. I'm a, I'm a special education teacher, and I worked with ADHD before I had children um, in the classroom. Right. But when my kids started rolling in, suddenly it became personal. And yeah. I wanted to really understand what was going on.
0: I'm sure you also had this edge, also of being able to look out for it. Like, what are some of the signs to look out for? And maybe you detected it way earlier versus in your personal experience uh, or with resources for people like 40, 50 year years ago, where we didn't have a lot of the knowledge we do now. It's kind of like you wonder, oh, what's wrong with me? And you're kind of, uh, you know, you think Ritalin or Adderall or any other medication is maybe the only solve. Um, what's been your experience with that? Like with medication, right? And especially with having a brother who was, you know, you got to see, like, okay, here's we both had maybe ADHD, and here's what would happen if you're put on Ritalin. You've probably gotten to study that medication side of things a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there a way to obviously, like, I'm, I'm sure in some cases it's very necessary, but what's been your experience with the crowd you work with? Is it, do you do have to deal with a lot of medications or are you working with a lot of natural, uh, ways to kind of settle the mind a little bit?
1: Right. So when I, um, when my daughter was diagnosed, my oldest daughter who's 23 now and becoming an electrician. And she's, you know, she's, she is one of three girls in her class. I'm very proud of her because she's doing what is feels right for her. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she was diagnosed at the age of seven, the diagnostic process took about 10 minutes. And uh, basically she jumped out of her seat to help the doctor, um, pull a paper out of her printer. And the doctor said, Oh my God, she's hyper and slam dunk ADHD. That was the entire thing. And then she handed me a prescription and I said, well, what am I meant to do with this? And keeping in mind that I was a, I was a classroom teacher. I, I had students who were going out to the nurse to get their second dose of Ritalin in the afternoon. It's not like I didn't know what it was, but I knew my kid and my kid is healthy. Mm-hmm. And I certainly do not have ADHD and never did. And that's why right. that's why I brought my story up and my husband's story. He definitely has ADHD and I definitely don't. But both of us were exhibiting similar symptoms, which is what intrigued me and got me to really dig in deeper. In terms of your question, I want to answer your question that I want to add to it. Yes, yeah. there are many, many ways of dealing with ADHD without Ritalin because... ADHD is not a riddle in deficiency. It is a list of symptoms that are caused by many, many different causes. So therefore, what I'm adding to the field of ADHD is that we have to ask why the child is struggling or the adult instead of asking what diagnosis the person has. And that's been the style that we've, that we've been dealing with is what does the person have in order to fit that person with the correct pill? Now, the correct pill might not be the correct treatment because in my case, let's say going through some stress and trauma as a child, my parents splitting up and other things going on, um, that would have been the worst treatment option because I was misbehaving and acting out. And not focusing in class because I was overloaded mentally and emotionally. And I was calling out for help. You know, an adult, right? Notice, notice. And if you put a kid like that on Ritalin, what you've done is say the problem lives inside of your brain. You are the problem. And we need to shut that down and we need to calm that down. But very often, ADHD is a clash between environment and the person. And that was my story. In terms of classic ADHD, we're looking at a person who has trouble with transitions, trouble with uh, sitting and learning, carrying through, um, trouble a lot, often social issues. So those are, Mm -hmm. are, that's just in in a nutshell. Those are some of the things we're going to see. A lot of impulsivity um, and and, uh, immaturity. So these are things we're seeing. Most of that is coming from what I call an instant gratification personality. And that's a healthy personality. And it, it's a great personality. It's the person who wants everything here and now and fast and interesting and fun and slightly dangerous. A lot of those people, by the way, land up turning to extreme sports. Uh, and uh, they, we call that self-medicating, but they're not self-medicating. They're always looking for the next um, thrill, excitement, mm-hmm. goal and uh so in your line of work you're going to bump into a lot of people who are instant gratification personality people i mentioned my son before he's definitely that way and he's always every single workout he's setting a new goal for himself so if this workout he did you know 200 muscle ups then it has to be 250 muscle ups i promise you he can do that so right. uh therefore So that is, that's that personality. But if you are that type that wants everything here and now, interesting, fun, then what you're not doing is repeating behaviors and therefore not creating habits, which Mm -hmm. is why people with ADHD are such a mess with anything that requires a routine. So they're healthy, but they need help with routine. And therefore that, that would be where I would come in or a parent or a teacher, a coach would come in. And help that person build habits, but that's only one cause of ADHD symptoms. There are so many others. And that's why we are asking the question, why is this child struggling? And Mm. that's going to be the beginning of every program.
0: You know, the example you gave of you and your husband and how there's you exhibited similar signs, but how you did, you know, you don't have it. And he definitely does. What, especially today, right? Like I know back then you said like a 10 minute diagnostic test, you got a prescription, like maybe it is still just exactly the same, but I'm sure it's changed or evolved a tiny bit. Um, What today is being used as a diagnostic tool that is actually like, okay, this makes sense. And I'm sure there's a ton, but like in your experience that helped you differentiate between uh, I don't have it or I do, but we're like, how do you even begin to look at that? Because you're both, like you said, the symptoms or uh, what you would normally analyze or look at is the same.
1: Right, and that's a great question. You can't have ADHD now. Not an ADHD denier, but which would wouldn't make sense because that's my entire field. You cannot have ADHD. You can have symptoms of ADHD, mm. and the reason I can tell you that I don't have ADHD. I don't have any kind of ADHDs because when I was able to, when the fog lifted off of the stress I was dealing with, my true personality is very methodical and organized, and and uh, and that's what emerged. But with someone who has more of those classic symptoms, then you're going to see that what's missing, what skills are missing for that person, what emotional, psychological, and organizational. Skills are missing for that person. So when when any time a child is diagnosed or an adult is diagnosed, they're doing something extremely simplistic, which really bothers me because they're just using a checklist of symptoms. And sometimes it's upgraded to there's there's a Moxo test that's called where they use like a computer simulation that that kind of checks your your level of impulsivity. That again is not particularly uh, reliable. And they'll use it, They, you know, the first part of the test, you're you're without a stimulant medication. And the second part of the test, you're using a stimulant medication. Everybody calms down and is less impulsive when they're on a stimulant medication. So you give me or you a dose of, of Ritalin, we're going to be more efficient. So right. the, the test is not a reliable test. I don't know if you've ever tried Ritalin, but I wanted to see what my kid's experience was. And my God, I had the most organized day of my life. I couldn't take it the second day because it was very stressful, but it was, it was some powerful stuff.
0: Right. Um, Is it, is it similar to Adderall? Like what's the difference between Adderall and Ritalin?
1: It's a different, uh, it's, it's working with different neurotransmitters and, uh, but they're both, um, stimulant, but Okay. But they're working with different centers.
0: I've t- I haven't taken Ritalin, but I have tried Adderall before, and I have felt that. But also, the man, I I felt such side effects and the downside of that that like I didn't ever have it again after that because um, it for you. affected. Yeah, it had it had an s- effect on so many different things. But I can see the appeal of like, whoa, this is how my brain is normally supposed to like uh, function. And
1: that's not true. And that's not true. It is not. Or the you're right. It's right. not
0: normally. Yeah. But you're, you feel that way in the moment. You're like, oh, like this is how it should. Right. This is my vision of myself to do mm-hmm. all this stuff and get it all done. We were, we were talking about uh, Ritalin, ADHD. And then the other question that I wanted to clarify before we move in is like ADD and ADHD. Are they, am I abbreviating? Are they two different things? Uh, what's the difference, the main difference between the two, if there is?
1: So the, the DSM 5, which is the most recent diagnostic manual, has taken ADD out. That's no longer oh, okay. a term. I don't know why. Now they have uh, ADHD. It's all called ADHD and they're different types. So someone with w- would be like um, inattentive, you'd be inattentive. If you were used to be ADD, now you're ADHD inattentive type. Uh, whatever. Mm. It's, it's all just words. But sure. again, it's none of this is, is significant. And as much as let's say, I'll, I'll give you just a, a simple example. If you're not feeling well, you go to the doctor, your throat's hurting you. So the doctor asks like five or six questions and without checking you, the doctor will say, ah, that's COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, here's the thing. There's 10 different reasons why your throat would hurt. It could be that you're overtired or you screamed all night or you, or you have strep throat, or it's COVID, or it's a virus. Right. You know, you have no idea, and therefore the doctor has to. So, so meaning ADHD is essentially the throat pain disorder. That's what it is. It's just a descriptive uh, name, and what we don't do then. So that's why you can't have it because you can right. have symptoms, but then okay, so you have the throat pain. Very good now what's causing it that's where we have to go every time and when we say what's causing it there there's where we're going to find our answers and that's why adhd can absolutely be treated without medication because once we find out why then we can go ahead and and create the right program i'm not anti the medication i've even medicated my own children But that is something that I don't jump into as a first resort. That is something that I I wait and see what's going on. If the child's really struggling and they cannot join a program I'm trying to set up for them this minute and they need to succeed right now, Mm
0: -hmm. then it's a
1: good tool to use. Is is it a long term? Bad. It's bad long term.
0: It's just like some supplements or protein and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you could get it. Ideally, you should get it through the natural sources and all that. But when you need it for a show and you are, hey, I need to be diligent. I can't like it's a it's a solve for that moment, but not a band aid. You want to keep applying forever. So um, that's
1: excellent, excellent example. I love that.
0: Yeah. So I'm totally on board with you here. I think my question is, as an adult. The why is probably still important look into the why why is uh, why are you experiencing some of these symptoms how much of it is uh, like still automatic from you maybe experiencing this or just for a long period of time as a kid or a long chronic environmental stress that allowed you to experience those symptoms um what what do you find the differences between children i guess and adults like how do you Is there differences or is it very similar?
1: Yeah, big difference, big difference. The difference between children and adults is that by the time you've been dealing with these symptoms for 20, 30 years, you have added on so many layers of complexity, Mm. low self-esteem, of all sorts of voices about who you are and who you should be of so many failures that um, you have to peel that away before you could even get to. So what's causing these symptoms? First, you have to build yourself up again. You have to, to take away what I call curses. These are these notions about yourself. If you've been told you're lazy or you're stupid or you're good for nothing or all those things, those are curses because someone more powerful than you told you that and, and you believed it. And therefore, I remember as, as a high schooler, my, my principal told me, that I was just really bad at math. And I was at the time. But then I I aced it in high school and in college. But in my mind, you couldn't shake it. The curse had already yeah. settled in. I was the kid who couldn't do math. So these are things when you're talking about an adult who's gone through all of childhood with these symptoms, which could have been resolved way earlier. Uh, it's very painful at that point. And it's, it's a longer process. And I always will... Will help the the adult along with their partner or spouse because then it's it's a dynamic that includes a more serious relationship and really needs that.
0: That's really fascinating, and I always think about like that's what's so sensitive about the field of any field where you're working with kids is like one offhanded comment that you make or say that's like totally unintentional. I mean, I remember many myself like. It can stick with you for freaking years and just inform something that you have held on to, especially like when there's such an emphasis maybe on us forming an identity. Like as you get older, you're like, what is the identity I'm going to embody? I'm the tech guy. I'm an IT person. I'm a doctor, whatever. And so now it's very difficult to disassociate from that when you're like, no, I am the type of person who I'm not social. I'm very. I don't know you know type a and can do the doctor stuff or whatever so uh i i where do you start i like that you mentioned that you include the partner or the spouse because it is like yeah it just makes sense it's just kind of same thing with fitness a lot of times especially if they're we ask in questionnaires or we would that like who does the grocery shopping who does the cooking um how many people are in your household and based off of those little sensitive dynamics, that does make a difference in if someone's gonna stick to something. There's a lot of like little stuff that would come out that would be like, oh, well, you're doing fine, but like your partner is the one who's, you know, making it tough for you. How do you make a cohesive version of this where nobody's losing, everybody wins, right? So I'm sure there are some of those crazy dynamics at play, especially with something as complicated as ADHD, so I like that. What do you now then begin to do as, let's say, a phase one type process? So I'm, first of all,
1: I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you um, that you do that. I'm amazed that you uh, that you do that with the fitness because what you're again you're doing exactly what we said before, which is that interplay between a healthy person and their environment. So mm-hmm. sometimes a person is not managing to work out. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of myself when we're talking about workouts. So I love CrossFit and I've been doing it for years and yeah. I'm not, I guess I'm not officially a CrossFitter because I'm not like a diehard and yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I, st- I still, call it a gym, which I think is the wrong word, but, uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> but a cube a box or something. Anyway, the you don't point follow is the games. I don't follow the game. No, I don't follow the games, but then it started. I got injured because everyone in CrossFit gets injured. And uh, I couldn't go back and now I'm just kind of floating around without a home and I can't find my, because I, I love the pump and I love the competition and I love that. And I'm like, I'm lost. I don't know. So this like, you know, I, that's why I haven't jumped back into the next thing because I'm still stuck on my old home. So these are things that we're doing, especially uh, with people with ADHD. We're starting with, where are you now? Where are you stuck now? what's happening in your life we just try to look at what's happening and then i always do a deep dive into the people's past what were the messages of your past what was your journey where did you travel a lot of times what i'm going to find is that people are very stuck in these fixed mentalities where they were supposed to be a certain way and and they couldn't be that way and therefore everything goes in the garbage i just the other day i had a conversation with a very intelligent, beautiful woman who could really just go very far, and she she really doesn't go anywhere. She's she really goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said to her, "Well, let's try to like start looking for jobs." And and she says, "You know, I can't I can't start looking for a job because for the last few years I was a stay at home mom, and I should have been making cookies, and I should have been taking my kids out to the to the park, and I should have been doing all these things, and I didn't, and therefore I feel too bad." So I can't move forward. And I said, who says you were supposed to be the mom that makes cookies and takes your kids to the park? Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not the fit for you. But she's so stuck in that that was the picture perfect thing that she was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And therefore, she's completely stuck. So we first identify where you're stuck. And we I try to put people onto a journey of taking one step at a time. It sounds very much 12-step program-like, but it's taking one step at a time, acknowledging what your abilities are now and setting one small goal. And once we start movement, then I- I'll give you another example. I'm working with a bunch of um, older teenage boys who are extremely addicted to their phones, which is one cause of ADHD symptoms. Uh, you'll be interested to know. Wow. And, uh So these these boys are really struggling because they're they're clocking in 11 hours a day on their on their phones every day,
0: right? It sounds like a headache to me.
1: Yeah, it's awful. So and this is so what I did with them instead of saying we're taking away the phone, I put them on a program where where we went through every app and we reduced each app. To three hours to two hours, to step by step. And then next week we're going to add to it. And we're, and every time I say, I'm so proud of you that you're pulling this off. This is amazing. And, uh, and that's how we, and I am proud. It's not fake because when a person is that stuck, you need to get them out by them thinking they're not supposed to be perfect. They were never supposed mm-hmm. to be. And who says they were supposed to be perfect when nobody is. So right. we get them out and then we, and then we start the movement.
0: Wow. So this is, um this, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Cause it's like the most immediate way to make somebody care about what you're doing enough to like, Oh wow, I feel good now. Or I feel a little bit better. My problems being solved, I'm seeing some progress. Let me keep, you know, I have buy-in now, right? I'll stick to whatever the rest of the protocol might be. Do you find that, adults who have ADHD like you said have a tough time kind of um starting like things will like you said a year you know this person could really go far for example but like they uh years may have gone by and they haven't ap- applied to that job or whatever they wanted to do yet um mm-hmm. and that is like an and you know just like a A circle that is very, very tough to get out of, which is probably sometimes the inciting event, right? It's like, you want to do the thing like that is for this person, get a, you know, apply for, for a job or whatever. And now you're like, why is this thing bumping up against me? so much like I on paper should be able to do this it's one click on LinkedIn or you know one you know whatever I got to do but mentally like I can't sit down and get myself to go through all that overthinking so I I see a very real example for most like a lot of people um, when they're going through any type of change even right where you're like changing roles or identities you're going from student to like now getting a job or you know you, like you said taking on the identity of someone who makes cookies or trying to do your inversion of that like um so
1: i never make yeah. cookies <laughs> right yeah so
0: how do you, is it is it defining redefining that for yourself like do you do you reframe through your encouragement cuz i it sounds like you do have a very um genuine encouraging approach which of course right. can help when you're like oh yeah, I'm doing good. I'm getting momentum when it's so hard to get momentum as an adult. I feel like everything is going against you, not building momentum as you like become an adult versus like in favor. So when you have little things like workouts or you've got whatever it is, like your whole reframe of how you view yourself, it can be a game changer. Uh, So is that what you're doing? You're reframing how you. view- I'm doing okay.
1: a couple of things. First of all, I'm, I'm reframing and I'm not ever creating something. I'm mm. letting the person meet themselves anew. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what's important. We, we, we discover what are your strengths, where are your challenges? That's the real you. And I reintroduce themselves them to themselves. And that's a very powerful process where they actually start to like that person that they've been fighting against for so many years. And then we break it down and I say, so why haven't you applied for the job yet? And uh, then we get all sorts of answers and I say, okay, but what's the real reason? And often the real reason is what I like to call failure to launch, which I know my daughter's like, that is not an appropriate term, but um, I use it anyway, because it's funny. Um, But essentially what it is, is that first What was the first step? Is it a phone call? So you said just go on to LinkedIn. Is it is it a phone call that you have to make? Okay, so Mm -hmm. why do you why is you having trouble making a phone call? Well, when my mother used to call me every time, or I called her every time I got on the phone, she was critical. So calling an authority figure feels critical, and I'm not making that. Okay, so now how do we get over that hump? Very often there are certain dynamics that are at play. That are going to stop people from getting things done and failure to launch is one big one so we get down to the smallest smallest beginning step and we hold hands and we get over that first step together after we understand it so that the person can do it again i'm not always going to be there when i work with people it's very much to get them started and give them skills and then let them take it for themselves so i give them mantras what's my failure to launch what's the first step what's the tiny step? How can I move it? And I always say to them, we come from a society where superheroes is a big thing. You're supposed to be able to do everything on your own and not sweat while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But that's ridiculous. That's not our goal. Our goal is to figure out where we want to go and then find the best people to escort us. And we'll be there for them. And they'll be there for us. We're a community. So I tell them, find your people, find your angels along the way. And uh, I start. As that. And then I left and I help guide them toward people that can help, them, which is why I work with couples and uh, parents with children, because I want them to know that they're not relying on that other person. Actually, this might be a very good example for you um, for fitness, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I met a woman who was extremely, extremely overweight. I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but uh, yeah, I might be it? that shame this kind of thing. But uh, she really was. It was. There's no way to get around it. And right. the doctor's like, listen, you're you're really in a bad place you're going to land up with diabetes and uh, you've got to start exercising this woman could not get up the stairs to her house so the doctor set her up with a kind of coach to help her and she would lay down on a mat and the coach would move her arms and legs for her and wow. that was great for the 20 sessions she was starting to feel a little bit of muscle developing but then the 20 sessions were over and she went right back to couch potato because if you're using the person who's walking alongside of you as your crutch, you'll never get there. But if you're linking arms with someone and you're saying, I give you support, you give me support, then that's, that's what a couple is, really. Then you can actually progress very nicely together with the tools that I give both spouses, both uh, partners um, to go along.
0: I love that. <clears throat> how do you make it acceptable to do something so small when, like you said, everybody is today like the superhero culture, or just like on paper, this is true in food and uh because food is hard too, like your relationship with it, and there's a lot of preconceived uh, you know habits and stuff that you're trying to unwire. Um, so sure. how do you on on paper it looks? Oh, this is simple. This is, of course, I get it logically. Boil an egg. This is the first step, but it's not just an egg. It's not just boiling the egg. There's a lot more behind that, and it's okay. almost can be like it, it might feel embarrassing or pathetic when you're like, "Wow, this is like how small I have to go to get started to like do the next step." How do? You, and especially when maybe some of these folks could be all or nothing type mentality. I don't know. Very that's often. True. Okay. Very right? often. Yeah. So it's very difficult. I found especially people I've coached in fitness and nutrition to stick to like, something sustainable. And, you know, do this for a long period of time, like, they need like that. Uh, it's it, it's all or nothing. It's like, I'm doing this hard, five, six days a week, an hour a day, or like, I can't do the hop on for 10 minutes and just move for the day or whatever it is. Right. So what's been your, do you have any tactics for working with adults or even kids? Right.
1: All or nothing is the fixed mentality that I'm talking about. And I bump into it all the time. I was uh, meeting with someone who was planning a vacation for herself and her spouse. And, uh, and she was, she was so anxious because it needed to be the right hotel and the right ski lodge and the right, this and the right, that. And, and she was not able to have any joy in the process. And right. I said to her, you know, I said, first, we have to start this way. Before you start planning, you say to yourself, it's already good. Well, it's already good. What's good is that my, my husband has a birthday. And that's already great because he's healthy and he has a birthday and we have the time to get away and we have the money to spend on this vacation. It's already good. Now, what are we adding to that? I work very hard to get people out of that fixed mentality and that once you get past that and you say I'm on a journey, then you're ready to start at the smallest step. And I actually started this, this program with, with a young client of mine, an absolutely adorable, uh, she was a, an 11-year-old at the time. And uh, I, the program that we started was called Add a Brick. And what that was is that she was very stuck in being a talented kid. She needed everything she did had to be either gorgeous because she, she was a art, very artistic kid, very artistic, and everything had to be gorgeous or it was garbage. It was nothing in the middle. That's a curse. Calling someone artistic instead of saying you're so good at choosing colors or you're so good at, at being consistent with your work and, and, your, and your drawing makes everybody so happy. Those are blessings. The curse is you're an artist. Because now you always have to be an artist. So that's where this sweet girl was stuck. So I said to her, our program is like this. There's one person who wants, there's two neighbors. They want, they have a big lot, each one of them. They want to build a house. One of them is planning and planning and, and, and wants it grandiose and beautiful, but they put so much plan into it and so many details into it that they never get it off the ground. The guy next door, he wants a house. So what does he do? He lays bricks every day. Every day goes to his lot and he puts one brick on top of the next. Now his house is not going to be so beautiful or maybe it will be. It'll be great. It won't be as beautiful as the plans of the guy next door, but the guy next door doesn't have a house. So every day we plan our brick at the beginning of the day and then we see at the end, what do we do? So my brick is going to be 10 minutes on the treadmill today. Mm
0: -hmm. That's going to be
1: my brick. Did I accomplish that? Because if I can accomplish that, then I could put the next row of bricks and the next row of bricks. And then I've already built up something. So that 10 minutes on the treadmill this week is going to look really, really good in six months.
0: What does your time to seeing if this sticks look like? So for us, like two weeks sometimes would be like, okay, if you could sustain this you know, hit your protein goals or whatever, something even smaller, like eat breakfast. Uh, Then we'll move on to the next thing. We'll layer after that. But two weeks was a good litmus test. It was like one week, you're good, you're motivated, but then, okay, the second week, you really start to like die off. You got to find kind of what really does motivate you to stick to this. Um, Or you at least, you welcome some of the struggles that come up with sticking to it. And then you have data, right? You're like, well, what did actually, we may have overestimated like it's not just hit your protein, like let's break it down even smaller. So for for you, like what have you found in terms of this laying bricks concept? How many bricks is enough to kind of move someone's ego, I guess, right? Where you're like, all right, I feel good, I'm doing this. And um, it starts to create that positive momentum that Mm -hmm. we want, which then can skyrocket a bunch of other stuff.
1: Right. So it, often I see a lot of change within about six weeks. Then I Makes see sense. that once we pass the month point, which is actually takes about a month. And when, I'm sure you know this to build a habit. Mm-hmm. So if I see the person's made it past the month and they're already moving into the next month, then they're usually it's it's solidified. They're doing well. But since we're dealing with their entire personality and the whole what, what I call this huge suitcase of. Their past experiences that are sitting on their shoulders all the time. There's a lot of ebb and flow, so it's it's different than than exercise, where or working out or or changing a diet. Although diet is very much part of my program, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. But yeah, but it's definitely something that that uh, it will you'll do great, you'll do great, you'll do great, and then you'll have a crash, and that's okay. I tell them always that's built into the program. You're going to have a crash and that you're supposed to have a crash. And someone asked me the other week, what would I say to a a new dad? You just had a brand new baby. I hope you have your own child one day. You're holding that baby. And what would be my advice to to that dad? And I would say to that dad, making mistakes is built into the cake. It's right. Mm. It's baked in. Expect to make mistakes and expect to enjoy the journey because we learn from our mistakes. So when you take a dip, okay, what happened? There's no such thing as failure. There's success and there's a learning experience. What'd you learn from this dip just now? And let's get back up even stronger. That's how we do it.
0: I used to use that too because it it built, expectations also right like if you made it sound like it was just going to be this linear process where things do really just Hmm. keep getting better and it never like that it's going to hit 10 times harder when things don't work the person's going to be wondering even if they don't voice it they're going to be like oh this is not the right program this is not the right coach i'm something's wrong with me like all the different stuff that comes up so just a simple Acknowledgement regularly of that of like look if let's give this a shot it's an experiment it's not a big deal if you you can't like nail this more than 80% of the time, but let's see what happens, and we may need to tweak this, but you make it kind of just a, a norm to tweak tweak what you decide, right? It's like, hey, let's, we're starting with this, but let's adjust and keep it open to that. And I'm sure that-
1: and the process is really what's powerful. That's, that's where I'm going. The proce- mm. Embrace the process. The process is your God here. This is what's the, the power is in that. It's not yeah. in the end goal. We talked about the body dysmorphia. It's not in the end goal. That's yeah. that, that where your strength is. It's in making good choice every day. We're learning from a bad choice every day. That's where we're meant to live. And that's where I try to place people.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure that uh, just like we talked about the all or nothing, is this another trait that you see is, um, I mean, obviously outcome and end goal, winning oriented focused people, like we want the end. That is why we're maybe sticking to a process. And so the challenge can be how do you just embrace the process and focus so much on that, that maybe you forget about the other stuff? Um, have you dealt with that type, that personality type? What's been effective when working with somebody like that, um, who's just so outcome oriented that, you know, getting them the focus on process is a challenge. It can be done, I'm sure. But what, 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 what have you found if you've dealt with that personality before?
1: Yeah, for sure. I've not only dealt with it in my work, I've dealt with it in my own family. Um, and, and I'm all for achieving goals, all mm-hmm. for it. I would not have, have put out a book or be where I am today without setting goals. And my second book is coming out pretty soon too. So oh, nice. I, I, I love goals. Yeah, it's exciting. What is it,
0: uh, what is it called, by the way? The Do second you know book. Yet? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's coming out in September. So it's, it's already done. It's ready to roll. Oh, beautiful. It's okay. it's called hyperhealing show me the science. And it's the scientific background of medication of the diagnosis itself and also the historical background of ADHD, where it comes from the diagnosis. And it's interesting stuff. For me, this does oh, that. Is really fun. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. I we'll we'll make sure to like, circle back again when that comes out. Excellent. Uh, very cool. So yeah, back so- to
1: the, the person who's very goal-oriented. So yeah. that I that's great. And I'm not into participation medals. I think that we've gone weak and it's very good to have healthy competition. Kids who are in sports have to learn how to compete honorably and they have to right. learn how to lose as well. And that's what, so when, we, when we're doing these, um, you know, giving awards for showing up, we're saying you're not really worth anything. You know, you yay, you showed up. Congratulations. That's not what we want. When my daughter came in yesterday from her um soccer tournament and her team won first place, that was the big deal. We sang and we danced around the kitchen. She came in with her trophy and everything. And yay, fantastic. That, that we want that in life. We want right. to celebrate that, but we also want to be able to say, what did I do today? What choices did I make today? And we focused on the choices. Did I, did I run harder? Did I work? Did I, was I polite during the competition? Did I give my teammate space to achieve as well? So that's what we're doing. We're doing both in parallel, set big goals, set very small goals to get you towards your big goals and learn how to focus on your choices rather than the outcome as well
0: well i like that okay so instead of even process if you even give it the word choices that brings it down to something so granular or molecular that's like oh yeah everything is kind of built up of this choice or that choice or anything else on this that you would like to leave people with in terms of an actionable way that maybe we could whether you have adhd or you don't i'm sure there are times and environments where you experience some of those symptoms and they're heightened or you at least your perception of it is that that's there Mm -hmm. and we can put to use some of what you're what you're saying what would you if there's something to take from today's episode what would you leave people with to kind of implement um that could maybe help their focus their energy attention and you know streamlining towards maybe what they do want to get
1: so since we focus very much on the fixed mindset and uh being on a journey, on a path instead, moving over to that. I would say that, first of all, it's not just an ADHD that will put you in that fixed mindset. It is someone who's been through trauma or abuse or has had a lot of messages that were very fixed. And even being told you're beautiful or you're smart or things like that, that will also set you on a path of always needing to be beautiful. So you're always looking over your shoulder, wondering if anyone else who just walked in the room was more beautiful than me and being obsessed with that. And, uh, and therefore, I would say that, that uh, the first step is self-kindness. You have to realize I've been stuck in something I didn't create for myself. This was an environmental cause, but I'm here on this earth to accomplish something. I'm not here to feel sorry for myself. I've been jam-packed with some amazing qualities and values and I can go forward. But the first thing I have to do is kindly understand that I've been hijacked a little bit and it's time to get out of that. So start there. Start by saying I'm a good person and I should be respected as I am and then reintroduce yourself to yourself. See what your values are. What are your unique characteristics? No two people are the same. And we're all on this earth for different reasons. So see who you are. And I would say the other thing I wanna add, because we talked a lot about how to get yourself out of that fixed mindset, but the most powerful way to get away from a fixed mindset is gratitude. Waking up in the morning and being thankful for what is now my home, my family, my health, the strength I have this morning and go to bed at night saying thank you for what has been. Mm-hmm. And that will keep us always feeling, always being present in this moment. So add self-kindness and gratitude and always keep focusing on that journey at a brick and add another brick. And uh, and you should be able to, uh, to really go very far that way.
0: It's almost like um, <clears throat> I tried this thing where like, instead of a to-do list, I'll do like a to-done list where I'll write stuff as I go. And it makes me feel so much better because I'm like, oh, I don't know, sometimes a to-do list can be very, it can constrain you or paralyze you. Oh, which one do I do first? Which one do I do next? But like, if you're just kind of acting and you're like, I do have to do this, and do something, then you're just kind of doing it, and you get evidence at the end of the list or the day where you're like, "Oh, I did all these things," um, which I'm sure, based on what you've described with like all or nothing and uh, outcome-oriented personality types, that can be a common thing. Is like, "I'm not doing enough." That kind of circles back to the all or nothing thing. So um, the other thing that I really took away was um, what you mentioned around um, action versus like identity. So instead of saying like I'm a writer, right? That's like an identity that you're, or an artist, like you said, or I'm beautiful, or whatever. It's like rewarding the action that goes into maybe that identity. Like, oh, exactly. I'm someone who writes, or I'm someone who I'm making likes a choice
1: writing. to sit and write today.
0: Yeah, Good for yeah. Me. Right. So I guess I get that, and that's a huge shift. Like, I don't know if growing up even now or like seeing it with some of my younger cousins and stuff like it's still kind of in our culture and society to like be praising the title like what's the title yeah. how do you describe the title right so and and then reading books like um James Clear's atomic habits and stuff he talks about using identity right use the identity you want to like contribute actions that feed that identity but at the same time it can also i feel like uh like you said work against you where you're just so wrapped up in that one when we're not really just one dimensional this is my identity we have maybe three to five that are you're know, revolving around maybe throughout the day so keeping it more action oriented <clears throat> or choices oriented makes it very
1: oriented i would
0: say yeah <clears throat> yeah it makes it very immediate i would say so um yeah i found this very helpful for me, because um, I can definitely exhibit, I think, some of the symptoms you uh, mentioned, not not like, I don't think I need Ritalin or something like that, but some of the tips you mentioned were helpful for me to think about. Um, where can we keep up with your book release, more social um, stuff, anywhere you kind of hang out and, and uh, people can support what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. So you can visit my website, which is hyperhealing.org. And uh, people definitely write me messages there and I respond. And uh, I'm always happy to give people extra tips or direction or answer a question. Um, Also on Instagram at hyperkealing.adhd, on LinkedIn, of course, Abigail Gimpel, and um, sort of on Facebook, but I try not to be. (laughs) um, No, we all. (laughs) And my book, Hyperhealing, is available on Amazon. So check it out there. And um, yeah, that's that's where you could find me. But I'm very definitely accessible and very much happy to help out.
0: <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time and insight with us today. Um, I think you brought just a lot of uh, data that would take years and t- so much energy for us to mine through ourselves. And so um, thanks for distilling and consolidating a lot of like, you know, just what you've seen not just in books and, you know, the DSM five or whatever, but like in actual life, uh, and in working with a variety of people. So, um, thanks again. And we'll make sure to get all that uh, stuff linked up in the show notes.
1: With pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.